Welcome to Student Transitions, A Time to Thrive. Life is full of change and resulting periods of transition. And some of our big transitions begin as students, as we move through the educational process and then on to the world of work or further education, university and independent living. If we can learn as students how to thrive through transitions, we will have acquired skills that will support us through a lifetime of change and transition. So, if you're facing changes in your life as a student, listen on as we share our insights and suggestions to help you thrive in a world where change is the only constant. just before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about some additional resources available to you. First, this podcast is available with a full transcript for free. Then, for a small fee, you can access a think sheet for each episode in this 10-episode series. They're designed to help you reflect on the content of each episode. To learn more, go to louisewiles.com forward slash successful dash student dash transitions. Okay, hi again. Welcome back. This is Elizabeth. And this is Louise. Lovely to be back. And and today we're going to be talking about something which might be close to a lot of people's hearts. It's procrastination. Um, and I'm Louise and I, we were just talking before we came on maybe I hope we weren't procrastinating but we're just talking about what what is procrastination and it's often about when you've got an intention to do something and you put it off and you delay and you might delay um, by doing certain things but you put it off and you often do something less important with the kind of thought is in your mind is I have got to do that, but I'll just do something else. So there's a there's a kind of gap between your intention to do something that you have to do and then doing it. So a kind of simple notion of procrastination. And it's not about you being lazy. It's not about poor management skills. This is often you know viewed in kind of literature as an emotion-focused coping strategy where there's a level of discomfort around and there's a distaste for the discomfort. You don't like it. And then you kind of dodge what you're supposed to be doing. So there's a lot of Ds here. So there's that, you know, distaste for the discomfort, you know, dodging it. And then often you become really dissatisfied with yourself. So I kind of like those thinking about it as a as this is a, a D thing, you know, just dodging these things, maybe thoughts or feelings that you don't like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as you're dodging things and not doing it, then the task kind of multiplies in your mind and it becomes a mountain rather than perhaps a hill that it first was or the little um slope and and it becomes more and more difficult in your mind so you tell yourself stories you build a narrative around it that makes it more than it was or is at the yeah. beginning yeah. and i just wonder as you're listening whether there's something that you're procrastinating about 
procrastinating about right now that perhaps you can bring to mind as as we talk through this um have this conversation and 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 you can apply what we're saying to it and see whether some of the thoughts and ideas we talk about in the session um will help you mm. i mean it's a you know when we when i was looking at some statistics around you know who procrastinates basically i think most people procrastinate they'll be putting something off and we can talk about why we do that but there is maybe a group of about 20 percent of people who are chronic procrastinators who just do it all the time and i read this other really interesting statistic that it is much higher in kind of school age and university aged um people 75 to 95 percent so it's fairly common and fairly typical um and you know you, you can think that why that is you know it might be you're going into new settings where you know at university where you know you're being asked to work in a different way or at school when you've got a lot of stuff to do and some of it you want to do some of the things that will really interest you you want to do or maybe not um but there's you know it, there's there's a a pressure on you know, work and getting your work done. So procrastination is fairly typical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of have a bit of a theory about why that might be. So remember, we were talking um, in a previous podcast about the S-curve and how, as a student, you're moving from, you know, one S-curve where you, know, you felt quite accomplished, hopefully, in your, your previous um, school, sixth form, college, wherever you were, you had had been there for a couple of years, you understood the environment, you understood the expectations that there were for about you, you understand that you had expectations for yourself as well, and you were perhaps more comfortable with those. And then what's happened is you've moved to a new environment that is totally new in every respect. You're having to make new friends, you're having to settle and work out how you're going to live your life in this new environment, but also you have this demand from a studying and a um, academic perspective if that's where you are or if you're in a new work situation you have you know demands from your from your work in terms of your work performance and that's very different the demand is very different from those before so of course you're going to be questioning your abilities you're going to be developing new skills um, and you're at the bottom or you know near the bottom of a new S curve and that's just normal and I think that perhaps contributes and that, that begins to explain why students have this higher percentage of procrastination because I certainly remember when I was a student and doing my first assignment having yeah a real kind of fear in, in a way around kind of perhaps being found out <laughs> that I didn't have the um, ability to write in the way that I needed to now write I was doing a history course so in in, in my course but of course, you're going to be developing new skills. This is a new way of of learning, more independent learning. And I think that perhaps brings me on to, we were talking a bit about perfectionism before and, and how that might contribute to some procrastination as well. You know, we want to do the best possible job, um, but perhaps we're not quite sure what the best possible job is at the moment because we haven't, you know, got those standards clear in our mind. So then that means that we, we stop ourselves and, and put it off for tomorrow because it just seems too much of a big task for today. What are your thoughts on that, Elizabeth? Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, these kind of thoughts that we have sometimes end up in procrastination. So they could be thoughts like, um, 
oh, actually, I don't really want this. This isn't an appealing job for me to do. I don't really want to do it. Or they might not know how am I going to start with this? How am I going to begin? I'm afraid to fail. What if I do it and I don't work out? And, you know, um, it's too big a task. It's too difficult a task. So these kind of thoughts that go through our mind, and we have to notice them because they're the kind of things that lead to procrastination. And, And the other thing that I wanted to say is that when we notice those thoughts about things being difficult and hard, and maybe even have some physical sensations about it too, that you know in your your body that, oh, my heart's racing about even thinking about doing this. When we go off to do other tasks that we're, you know, we're not needing to do or that that we might call our procrastination favourites, what happens at that point is those thoughts and feelings that, high anxiety or overwhelms reduced and we get short-term relief and it's only short-term because we have to come back to it at some point so that's why we keep we get we get maintained and stuck in that procrastination cycle because we can give ourselves some temporary relief and even if it's only short-term that can be really reinforcing so we'll go off and do something um, mine is I would go and clean something or I'll go and make myself a cup of tea or um, I might um, have a look at my phone and do a couple of texts. So you have to really kind of know a little bit about what's the thing that's giving you some temporary relief, relief and know that that's your, what your procrastin- procrastination favourites are. I don't know, Louise, do you have any? <laughs> I have many, yes, yes. yes. I'm a bit like you. I'll go and clean laundry seems to be because I work from home. So laundry seems to be one of my favourites. Um, coffee. Yes. A lot of coffee, a lot of tea. And yeah, phone, emails. I do go down rabbit holes with my emails. I'll suddenly, oh, I must look at that email. And then an hour later, I've gone off in all directions. So yes, I can recognise that totally myself. It's, yeah, it's, it's natural. Definitely. It's, it's something we all do. And, and, I guess that dopamine hit from going and doing something that we enjoy. Yeah, there's a physiological reason for the procrastinate, you know, for us going off and doing something else because focusing on the task that we're feeling a bit uncomfortable about, you know, doesn't have such a a positive physiological impact initially. Mm. Obviously, ultimately it does because we finish it and then that will feel really good. But in the initial stages, no, we can go and find a dopamine hit elsewhere and that's very nice thank you yeah yeah and so this might be a point for you to be thinking about what are the things that I do to dodge that task mm-hmm. what are the things that kind of give me a, a bit of the short-term relief and know that it's only short term so that's going to be one of the kind of even starting to think about what you what what ways or what how you're going to get through this this kind of trying to dodge something so one of them would be write down your list of procrastination favorites and if it's anything to do with your phone, think about how you're organizing, you know, where you're working. You know, if they are distractions to you, try and remove as many as you can so that you've got a place where you can just kind of do your work. Um, and that would be that would be quite a straightforward, simple thing to do. Um, what, what are the other things we're talking about, Louise, that are kind of ways to 
kind of um, get on with your work rather than procrastinate? <laughs> well, so I, I was just thinking as, as you were talking there. So you have, um, so let's take a student, you have an assignment and you've been procrastinating over it. And it seems like a really big task. And, and to get it all written and handed in, it, it, yeah, it is a big piece of work. I think really the important point about it is that you're going to do it in bits. You're not going to do it all in one sitting. So I would suggest that as a start point, why not sit down and chunk this task down, you know, divide it down into, into, so perhaps you need to do some research. Well, what is that research and what do you need to look at and where? And, and then once you've done the research, what's the next step? You know, how are you going to begin to bring it all together? You're not going to sit down and write a 2000 word essay in one go and write it perfectly um that's pretty much guaranteed for most people um and i know i i wrote a book a few years ago and i sit down and chunk it down into sections and into cha- chapters and then into sections within those chapters and i'd sit down and write and what i found was initially it would be really tough the first five ten minutes but then i would get into it and i would you know write a good amount it might not always have been the best but it was done and then I'd go away come back review it perhaps eliminate half of it <laughs> change half of it that's fine but I'd made some progress and so I think that's the really important thing finding small wins things that you can you know measure the sort of gain what you've gained each day towards that big assignment task that you need to do it doesn't have to be all done in one go it can be done in little chunks and then celebrate each little chunk as it gets done. And then over time, it will yeah, add up to the entire project. I really like what you said there about, you know, setting yourself just do five minutes. <laughs> so just set your tasks. You know, sometimes just say, I'm just going to do this for five minutes and be thinking a little bit about, well, am I still going to go on after the five minutes or not? Because... You know, one of the things that can I think gets in the way of you of people doing work is that you say, oh, well, I'm not motivated to do it. You know, I don't feel motivated. But actually, motivation comes when you're doing the task, often not before, when you're in flow, as people call it, and you're engaged in it and you feel you're making progress. That's where the motivation will come and start, not before you start. Um, so giving yourself a short time to do, let's just do five minutes. And of course, that kind of um, is it Nike um, strap line, just do it. Just be know that just know that sitting with that discomfort is actually all right, that there is going to be discomfort there because it is a bit of a challenging thing you're going to do. It's not something that you're going to whooping and enjoying doing. But to know that you're just going to say, I'm just going to sit with this and do it. And then what you might find is, is that when you get into it and you're doing it, you start to feel, yeah, I'm in it. I can do it. So there's a little bit of kind of mindset will change once you're involved in it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think as you get into it, you find the meaning in the task as well. And I think that's that's one really helpful way of, of looking at it. You know, what is the purpose behind doing the assignment? Okay, the big purpose is you're contributing to your degree. Hopefully that has meaning for you. Um, but within this one piece of work that you're being asked to do, you know, what interests you? What questions do you have about this topic? You could start by writing those down. You know, what actually 
fascinates you about it? Um, what do you want to know more about? And um, why do you want to know more about it? And that then gives you a reason for sort of getting into that first bit of work that will help you um, get through that that difficult stage. Because getting into flow is all about getting into the subject. And the more and the deeper you go, the more interested you become. And and then suddenly it takes on a life of its own. And in my experience, and, and you can sit there for hours and be fascinated by it. Um, but it does take work. Yes, it doesn't happen initially. You're not always going to think, oh, wow, this is the most fascinating subject ever, and I'm going to be really interested in this. You know, you, you kind of have to work at it a bit. It reminds me of the work by a lady called Angela Duckworth in her book, Grit. And she talks about, you know, how, how do we you know, create success in, in what we're doing? And one of the big factors is perseverance. You know, we do have to discipline ourselves to persevere with things and particularly at the start of projects um and so yeah finding what's interesting about it writing some questions for yourself about it beyond you know the board introduction or question for the assignment you know get perhaps break it down to sections and ask questions about each section and then start researching reading thinking and the other thing about it all is you're not going to be working totally on it all the time. Um, but the interesting thing is once you've got into it, your brain will be working on it a lot of the time, even though you don't know it is. So you'll go away and think I'm not working on my project today. But the next time you come back, you'll find, oh, that's really interesting. That's a new thought I hadn't had. Um, and so you suddenly it takes on a life of its own as well. Mm-hmm. So finding ways to feel enthusiastic about it, I think, is probably what I'm saying. And that enthusiasm will then help with that tough start and, and the motivation for continuing. I, I know one of the things that is really helpful for me, um, and of course we're giving you some suggestions, and you might think, oh, that would work for me, or but that might not. So it's a kind of a, a choice, kind of uh, some some things that we're saying, this might, you know, think about this, think about that. Um, but one of the things that really works for me is, I imagine myself when I've done what I needed to do. Uh, It's a bit like athletes, you know, crossing the line or jumping the jump that, you know, whatever height they want. So I imagine how I'm going to be thinking and feeling when I've got it, when I've got it done, when I've handed my thing, when I've sent something off. Um, And, and the kind of other stuff that I can go on with when and not feel guilty about when it's done. So I, I, that, I, I know that works for me and it might not work for you, but it's one of those things that you could. So what would be thinking about, you know, I'm so glad that I'm relieved it's finished. I've sent it off. I've done it. I've done a good job. I did it as best I could. You know, um, it was hard for me and I, you know, and off it went. So kind of going through that a little bit is often another another suggestion of, changing your kind of thinking from I can't do it, it's too difficult to how am I going to feel like when it's all done? Yeah. And perhaps add another question, how am I going to celebrate when it's all done? Yeah. So you could, yeah, offer yourself a little prize in some way, something you love to do that you, you do or something you want to buy, that you unbuy. Um, okay, not too much if you're a student, perhaps. But, um, you know, how would you celebrate when you've completed this? Yeah. Um, you know, what, what would be a mo- meaningful celebration for you and um, write that down too 
Very nice. Yeah, rewards are good. Rewards work, yeah, well, don't definitely, they? Definitely, definitely. There's a there's a saying from kind of I think it comes from Mark Twain. I need to kind of double check it, but it's about um, if you've got a frog to eat, eat it in the morning. So basically, if you've got something difficult to do, do it early on in the day. And then your mind's not bothered about it. You can go on and do it. And and if you've got two frogs to eat, eat the big one first. <laughs> and it's a little bit like, you know, when we've got lots of, when we've got tasks to do, often people start with the easy one, but there is some research around that says doing the difficult one first kind of then can make all the other stuff get on with. So when you're doing the easy stuff, that hard bit is always going to be sitting there staring at you. So try it. it that could be another option. Yeah. And the other one I'm going to say, particularly for students, there was a little bit of research that I, I read and I really liked this about procrastination. And it links back to another podcast that we did on, on self-compassion. And so with a bunch of students, the, the experiment was they taught one bunch of students to be compassionate to themselves if they procrastinate, if they procrastinated. And the other group, they didn't do anything. They must not just talk to them or something. And the group that were taught self-compassion, like this was hard for me to get down to my work today. Tomorrow's another day. Um, you know, I procrastinated a lot today you know, this is hard for me, you know, it's not something I always want to do. So be, being able to kind of be non-judgmental because we're usually, when we procrastinate, are very judgmental about ourselves. That was so stupid, I should have just got on and done it, you know? Um, so, so going through a little bit of self-compassion, um, when you know you've procrastinated, could be a very helpful thing for you because the students that they taught the self-compassion to, they were less likely to procrastinate the next day. Yeah. So yeah. a nice kind of linking up a previous thing that we talked about and, and this today. Yeah. Fantastic. So a great example of the value of self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Why it's worth nurturing that. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. And. Yeah. Um, and I suppose I would also add another, another thing. You know, if you're going to eat your big frog first thing in the day, which, yeah, that makes sense, unless you've got a lecture or something, in which case you'll eat it afterwards, perhaps. Um, but another thing is, you know, motivation, you know, part of what drives us and, and motivates us is, is a physiological thing. It's all related to, to dopamine, other things as well, but dopamine is a, an important um, hormone in relation to um, motivation and there's research that suggests that if you get up in the morning and you go and spend some time outside hopefully in the sunlight um, preferably in the sunlight I think it is but of course that's not always possible in the UK but outside getting some fresh air um, that can really help boost your dopamine levels which then also help you with your motivation for tasks and whatever it is you're then getting on to do for the day um, and it sort of shapes your perception of life and your emotions as well. So you sort of have a more positive mindset, and that's really important when you're embarking on tasks that are challenging. Um, so anything you can do from a well-being perspective, so eating well as well, um, where dopamine is concerned, there are things like you could say that we need to eat more um, tyrosine, um, which is found in foods like red meat, nuts, cheeses, fermented 
um, cheeses, the hard cheeses and fermented cheeses. So thinking about your nutrition as well, that's important. Um, and, you know, thinking also about yeah, not spending hours at night time looking at a screen with bright lights flashing, because that really does affect, once again, the dopamine levels in our brain. You know, when we're at night time, we, we need to be in the sort of dark, if you like, um, sleeping, not okay if you go to a nightclub and that's a one-off or every every few days every few weeks fine but not every single night that will affect your dopamine levels it will affect your sleep and therefore how you're feeling about yourself and your abilities the next day so there's a well-being perspective to all of this as well yeah i i agree it's all linked up isn't it it's all you know we look after our mind and body they're not separate they're all all together aren't they The only other kind of thing I think I wanted to say was give a little kind of um, share a little bit about me when I was writing something and I would often be talking out loud about it and unbeknownst to me, some people that were listening to me realised more than I did that I was viewing this task as difficult and hard and, you know, maybe out with my reach to do. And then someone said to me, why instead of thinking it's hard, why don't you just imagine it's easy? (laughs) So they did that thing about challenging some beliefs I had um, about doing the piece of work. And actually, I did take that and think, well, I'm going to imagine this is something I can do, that it's going to be not easy, but kind of more straightforward than I'm imagining it to be. And it was actually another strategy that I use a lot. So I kind of, when I'm kind of feeling in the mood for procrastination or wanting to put things off, I go, okay, Elizabeth, I kind of give myself a nice bit of self-talk. Like, just imagine this is something you can do. Um. So kind of be be aware. And I, I think that's why it's really important to kind of notice and can name some of the things that are going on for you. Name this procrastination as it is, what are the thoughts and what are the feelings that go on for you. And then once you can do that, that's part of um, moving on and making some other choices about what you can do instead. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I think that's a really nice note to finish this podcast for today on and so I hope it's given you some ideas and some thoughts about what might be causing your procrastination and some ideas about what you can do to eliminate procrastination or at least reduce it we all live with it to some element I think that's fair to say in just to different degrees and I think sometimes it relates to different topics projects that we're working on and that's why it's important to think about our wife of what we're doing. That really helps too. But good luck yeah. in, in overcoming your procrastination and just know that you're just you're just normal. Yes. <laughs> if you are procrastinating. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found this session on procrastination helpful. Now here's a quick summary to help you recall the key points. 
Procrastination arises when we have the intention to do something, but we then delay. So there's a gap between that intention and getting the task done. Now we all procrastinate. 20% of us are chronic procrastinators, and this is something the student population can really struggle with, and for very good reasons, as we discussed. So in relation to something you are putting off, which of the ideas we discussed could help? What's the story you're telling yourself about what you're putting off and how is that serving you? Remember, as you settle into your new lives, you're jumping to a new S-curve. Now we discuss this concept in episode two if you want to listen to more about the S-curve. But basically it means there's lots of new things to adjust to and to learn. And this can mean it feels tougher to get started on new projects and tasks. Now we all have thoughts about why we don't want to do things. And it's important to notice those thoughts because they are what will lead us to the procrastination. We also all have our favourite procrastination favourites or distractions. What are yours, I wonder? I certainly know mine and shared those in our conversation. Now, if we employ strategies to help make the work and tasks we need to do easier, this can help to reduce the procrastination. So, for example, chunking work down, building our interest over time by asking questions, working on a task in short bursts and celebrating progress and wins. Motivation often comes when you're doing the task and actually not before the task. Remember, perseverance is a part of the process as well and helps us to get through the challenging experience. It isn't all easy. Look forward and imagine how it will feel when you get to the end of the task. And remember to eat the frog early in the day, the big task first, then the rest will seem easier. Also remember the value of self-compassion and how when we are self-compassionate, we are less likely to procrastinate the next day. Also, note how you're talking about a task and your underlying beliefs about it. Flip your thoughts about it being tough to imagining, well, what if it was easy? And also remember to look after yourself. I've talked a little bit about the value of getting up and getting out in the morning before tackling that big frog and also looking after your nutrition and your sleep. So that's it for today. We hope that some of these ideas will help you to reduce or eliminate your procrastination. Please do reach out to us if we can help you in any way. The next episode, episode eight, will focus on hope. But meanwhile, I hope you will have a great week. Bye-bye for now and take care. And don't forget those handy resources that we discussed at the beginning of the podcast. You can access the full transcript for this episode and also the think sheets for a small fee by going to the website louisewiles.com forward slash successful dash student dash transitions. Thank you for listening. Bye bye for now.